Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Today I'm here with a legend, Victoria College legend, president of uh, Margad last year, Alexander Kudorf. Yep. I'm in, I'm in ramen. This is one of the things I wanted yes. to talk to you about. I know you've had ramen people on here before, but you've had a lot of, I feel, undue slander yeah. towards the <laughs> commerce department. A little bit of a throwback, but you mentioned to him that econ was like something like more useful or more challenging than commerce. And Rodman was just like real life experience. I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. I disagree with you. Yeah. You know, like it is job training more so in Rodman, but like it's not easy. This is the thing people misunderstand because like there's always this like stereotype about business school being easy. I don't think that's necessarily true in Rodman. Like if somebody went from comp sci or engineering wants to come like shit on Rodman, yeah, all the power to you. But then like having someone like you, or <laughs> actually like let me take it further, like I've had people in like political science tell yeah. me Rodman's easy, business is easy. Yeah. That pisses me off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the VOV podcast, Voices of Vic. Today I'm here with a legend, Victoria College legend, president of uh, Margad last year, Alexander Kudorf. Yep. How's it going? It's going good. It's okay. It's great to have you on. Thank you. How's, how's it been? How's life? Life's been okay. I feel uh, like I'm really looking forward to this episode. Sorry to cut you off. This is just, I feel you, you got a nice chill vibe to you. I'm chilling. I'm wearing pretty relaxed shit. Good to hear. Good yeah. to know that you're excited about this one. Life's been, <laughs> life's been good. School has not been too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling yeah. into midterm season. Yeah. That's weird. Cause we just got here. Yeah. And, uh, we're starting to get, I think like next week I have midterm. Okay. Feels weird. Feels weird. I'm still in landscaping mode. That's what I did in the summer. Lands a landscaper. Oh yeah. Respect. Yeah. I respect the construction industry hundred percent. Yep. I was a tradie briefly. Nice. Uh, yep. it was good. It was good. It was fun. How do you like seeing these guys in uh, King circle? Does it give you a bit of nostalgia? Would you like to join in and give them a hand? You know, every time I see somebody mowing a lawn, I just think that I could do it better. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think I could most of the time. Like I see these guys around UFT mowing lawns and they're like, they're schmucks. Yeah. They're not very good. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you studying? Commerce. Commerce. I'm in, I'm in ramen. This is one of the things I wanted yes. to talk to you about. Yeah. I know you've had ramen people on here before. 100%. But you've had a lot of, I feel, undue slander yeah. towards <laughs> the commerce department. I remember you talked to Daniel. Uh, a little bit of a throwback, but you mentioned to him that econ was like something like more useful or more challenging than commerce. And Rodman was just like real life experience. Right. Um, you know, I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. I disagree with you. Yeah. You know, like it is job training more so in Rodman, but like, it's not easy. This is the thing people misunderstand. Cause like, there's always this like stereotype about business school being easy. Yeah. And I agree with that. I don't think that's necessarily true in ramen. Like if somebody went from comp sci or engineering wants to come like shit on ramen, I, yeah. I can swear, yeah. right? Sorry? I can swear. Yeah, 100%. Okay. They want to shit on ramen for it being easy. Yeah, all the power to you. But then like having someone like you or actually like, <laughs> let me take it further. Like I've had people in like political science tell yeah. me ramen's easy, business is easy. Yeah. That pisses me off. That's fair. Right. And, and when I say that's the thing, actually, I will clarify. Yeah. I did never say in that episode that econ was harder than Rotman. Mm -hmm. I said, in general, arts and science classes, particularly, I think I did use computer science as an example. Mm -hmm. But another clarification I will make is that I, I talked about this on one of the other episodes. I shit on Rotman a lot. Yeah, you do. On this podcast. Yeah, you do. In real life, it's just, it's fun and games, but on this podcast, I love digging into them. No, it's easy to shit on. Like you can shit, people can shit on ramen if you want to. 100%. And the funny thing about it is that I want to go into business. Yeah. No, I don't I know. want to be an economist. Yeah. That's boring as hell. It's, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's not, I feel like that's not even a real job. Yeah. But business, business is everything. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like maybe I got, I misunderstood you because you said arts and science. When you say arts and science, I hear arts first and I think of history. And I'm doing a yeah. history minor. Yeah. And for somebody to come to me and be like, your history course, your 220, that is harder than financial accounting. Yeah. That pisses me off because like yeah. people say that about business and then I'm like people hear like arts and science is harder and then they think they get it in their head. Like I'm a political scientist. Robin kids, easy. Yeah. Uh, U of T's business school, I want to say is more difficult because I compared my friends at, you know, Queens or UBC, yeah. like we do more technical stuff. Um, but it's like, it's still business. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. I don't know. And, and the one thing I also said, huge credit to Rotman students. This, the example I gave, the reason I shit on Rotman students is because I don't think that they can, I don't think they take it too personally. Mm -hmm. Like here's the example I gave. You don't make fun of your fat friend for yeah. being fat. Yeah. Right. Like if you have a, an actually like 300 pound friend, you're not yeah. going to call him obese every single day. Yeah. That's, that's rude. Yeah. But you call your friend who's in shape, mm -hmm. who's maybe skipped the gym once. Yeah. Start calling him fat. I call yeah. my brother fat all the time. Yeah. This guy is jacked. He's in super well shaped. Mm -hmm. But that's the same thing I see with Rotman. The mm -hmm. reason I make fun of Rotman students so well is because I think that they're actually doing education that that will lead to some career benefits. Yeah. Whereas if I started making fun of arts and science students, that shit would get a little too personal. Because a lot of them are lost souls, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I can... I can get that. And like coming from, like I wanted to do history originally. That was what I wanted to do. I applied yeah. to like a bunch of schools for history. Yeah. I chose Rotman, not because I'm passionate about business. Everybody who comes to Rotman, they say like they're passionate about business. They want to be in finance or whatever. Yeah. That's just not true. People <laughs> want to make money. They want to make cash. Yeah. And I was looking at it. I was looking into academia. I was looking into archaeology because that's what I wanted to do. Like specialize in pre-Columbian archaeology and history yeah. here. Pre-Columbian. Yeah. Like... Nice. Aztecs and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. like Cahokia and the US. Interesting. So that's what stuff that was really interesting to me. But at the same time, I don't want to be broke. Yeah. Right. And there's not a lot of those academia positions. I talk to a lot of like more people than you expect are being like, I'm going to be a professor in the future. And it's just like, we have a class of like 100 and like two get that opportunity. Maybe. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to do that. So I did Rotman. I'm fine with it. Like, I don't, nobody loves business. I don't hate business. Right. Like, if people love business, that's alarming. You know what I'm saying? Like if their passion in life, like what gets them going out of bed every day is accounting. Yeah. That's weird. Got it. Right. Just that's, that's, I don't know. That's how that's I a hot take. I mean, you know, piss off some accountants out there, dude. It's all of them. crunching numbers. Yeah. Like it's sort of the thing where like the more money you have in life, the more often, like the more likely you are to get into the arts, because I feel like people naturally are creative and they want to do an artistic field. That is interesting. Right. Yeah. But they have to ha find a way to support themselves somehow. Right. Like, I don't know. The longest time ever, I really wanted to be in Rotman. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like, the more I talk to Rotman students, I feel like they don't actually talk a lot about entrepreneurship. It's more like working in corporations and that kind of thing. There is like, a they glorify these, what is it, a, it's the big four? Everyone, everyone gets so excited, oh, I got hired by PNG. So there's two reasons for that. One, like, Rotman has a lot of, like, connections with those companies. We get funding and they do recruiting out of here. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure from the profs to go towards the big four. And a lot of them yeah. are for big four. And the thing with that, with the big four, is that the opportunity to work for them, A, it's like bragging rights. Like, oh, that's what everyone's going for. But it's it gives you a lot of exit opportunities. So if you go to the big four, that's not like you're 
long-term goal i find most of the time I people see. want to transfer out and to do other things it looks good on a resume looks good on a resume because like you do three years png kpmg whatever right and then you go and you move to a different company you move to a startup smaller thing and you get like a better position but because you work for the big four you get that opportunity interesting um there is little entrepreneurship though i agree with you uh, yeah. but it's kind of like how like they're not they're a business school and they want their students to be successful and outright most entrepreneurs i'm sorry like you're an entrepreneur most entrepreneurs do not make it big are not elon musk i agree so if they were teaching all their students to be entrepreneurs think of the next big thing that success rate is going to be low that's a good point right that's a good so point. they have to teach them to go towards the the, the big programs that's what everyone's going to do it's a good point right and then the people who are the real entrepreneurs the best they're they'll, they'll still going to push through and they're still going to try. Yeah. True. That's yeah, that's yeah. true. That makes sense. We have a entrepreneur club. I wanted to join it, but I didn't partially because of Rotman's club system. What's wrong with it? Let's get into it. Let's okay. Into it. Let's so Rotman clubs, Rotman clubs. It's, it's been fixed now. It's better now. Um, but for a long time they had an internship process. Yeah. So the only way into the club was to get an internship or be admitted to the club. And a lot of people want to do the clubs and the professors want people to do the clubs. Yeah, They tell people to do the clubs and they say like, this is how you get a job. You have to be in a club. So everyone goes into it thinking, I'm gonna apply to four clubs. I'm gonna get the opportunity to choose what I want. That's not how it is. Yeah. The except, I, I can't remember which club it was. I think it was consulting or finance last year, which is the last year they had the internship process for first years had a lower acceptance rate than Harvard's business school for their club. Wow. The Roman class is like 800 kids. Yeah. Right. So, and why was it low? Is just because they don't accept a lot of people or just because they the accept, people were so incompetent. They accept like three, three, just outright three for the club out of the, all the people who apply. And if you go to a private school, your chance of getting in is much higher. What do you right. mean a private school? UCC? This, this isn't U of T. No, no. This is like predetermined stuff. So people send their kids to UCC and other like yeah. big private schools, UTS for connections. And this is part of those connections. It, it happens at like all the business programs and all the business schools in Canada. Got it. If you go to UCC, you know people, right? So you know the people who were in the club previously. Yeah. And you know something. Like, you know, networking is your net worth. Yeah. Right? It is for these clubs because all the private school kids kind of know each other. Yeah. So... They already know somebody going in, so that helps them get in. As well as that, like, the club's always market that you don't need experience. Or they did. I, I, I need to keep saying, like, they did, because they actually got rid of this internship process. Got it. But they always talked about how you didn't need experience to get an internship and join the club, which was just a bold-faced lie. Yeah. Um, because the only people I know who got into the clubs were members of the clubs in their high school, for consulting, finance, or whatever. I know one person who got in a club who didn't know anyone going in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that person went to a school with, I think it was 2,000 kids, and they had a um, case competition team that was very successful. Like, compared to my high school, it's 500 kids, small high school. Yeah. I didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. And it sounds like I'm making an excuse. I'm not. I didn't want to join that club. Right. But, like... I couldn't join a club without experience and I couldn't get the experience in high school. Right yeah, yeah. now it's different in the club process. Now it's general membership. You can show up to events and if you keep going and you meet people again, like networking, um, 
you can get like invited to the club, which I think is a better way to do it. Yeah. But how it worked last year, especially because how that's that's when I was in first year, was like really upsetting because I know some super smart people, very friendly, like who deserve to be in those clubs. Yeah. Who, you know, if they're accepting three people and they're the fourth, they just get cut out and they don't get anything. Now, do you believe that it's actually changed, or do you think that they just say this is our new process, but still so the other time guys? will tell. But they've made other ways into clubs. That's not the internship process. Okay. Which I think is good. Yeah. Uh, they still, some of them still have internships, but they're just doing more events that are open to everyone. Yeah. Again, they're geared towards first years, so I can't do them now, which, you know, sucks, but whatever. That's like, right. yeah, it's okay. So you sound a lot like me when you talk about business doesn't excite people. If you get up out of bed every day yeah. to want to be an accountant, you're a dummy, basically. Well, I don't but, I don't say you're a dummy. You're just weird. <laughs> you're just weird. You're a weirdo. Yeah. So you are in Rotman. What gets you out of bed every day? Like, what is... You want to make money. Mm-hmm. Where? Is it accounting? No. So I'm in. I'm doing a management specialist. So there's three specializations in Rotman. Okay. Do you know? Do you, yeah. yeah. A, a little. So there's the finance and economics one, yep. which a lot of people do. We can come back to that one, which there's something funny about it. Okay. There's the management specialist, which is the most broad. That includes human resources, operations, logistics, uh, marketing, all that stuff. And then there's accounting. Yeah. So of the like hundred kids in Rotman, f- five to ten are account doing accounting. Forty are probably doing uh, finance and economics. Fifty are doing uh, management. Yeah. Finance and economics is funny because you have to take um, a bunch of economics courses, like as many economics courses as finance courses yeah. to do it, which a lot of people don't know. So they just do it cause it's the finance one. But if you do management, which is the one I'm doing and you get a focus in finance, you can take more finance courses than if your specialization was finance and economics. It's a good hack. It's not even a hack. It's just like, <laughs> just like looking at your course schedule. <laughs> but the thing with finance at Robin, and this is going to be another like freezing take people aren't going to like. Okay. Um, U of T is not for our undergrad program. We are not a fi- like the finance school in Canada. Wh- who is Queens okay. Western? Yeah. Like we talk about U of T. U of T has the best business school in Canada outright, but that's average across all disciplines and through master's programs. Does not mean we're the best at everything. Yeah. Finance, for example, we're not the best at. We're very good at one part of finance: quantitative finance, math. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So you get all these kids coming to Rotman because it's the best business school in Canada because that's what it is on paper. And they say they want to do finance. Maybe they saw The Wolf of Wall Street. Maybe they saw The Big Short. Big Short's a great movie, by the way. I, I do like that movie. That's one of my favorite movies. And they want to do finance like that, investment banking, whatever. Not going to lie, that shit confused me the first time I watched it. Yeah, me too. My, my brother had to stop it and explain it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're like, there are people who come go from UFT to investment banking to whatever private equity but that's like we're not i don't want to say we're not a target school but we're not the target school for that yeah yeah, yeah. and i just i have family members who are involved in finance they basically told me if you're doing finance go to queens yeah right that that is the target school like the american banks go to queens rbc and bmo might come here but they're based out of toronto got it but like morgan stanley goes to kingston that's weird what do you mean they go like they send representatives oh i see yeah yeah like they recruit yeah so 
we do have a very good finance department yeah. and for master's programs for sure it's really good but we're quant that's our thing that's right. our shtick right yeah interesting so do you, there's a part of you wish that you did well, queens and stuff i'm not doing finance um i'm just doing management i'm getting a focus in finance management focus in finance yeah though, yeah but you get like multiple focuses so how focuses work is focus in finance does not mean i'm doing finance i'll get focus in finance strategy and innovation marketing whatever okay that just means i've done enough courses in finance i see and if you're applying to do an operations job like how businesses work or you're applying to do like really any job yeah. and you've done well in finance courses and you understand like money flows yeah it looks better 100 percent. so so then what like what are you trying to weaponize the whole degree for like for a job after uni right now like operations operations um just like business processes and maybe supply chain stuff i'm not really sure and is top four what you're trying to do kpmg well? no no like the top four not really that's really for consulting like the top four like consulting accounting and finance like they're different for everything yeah um yeah like that's not what i want to do everybody wants to be a consultant everybody wants to be a consultant yeah that shit is one of the nerdiest things you could want to be so no offense i know you've talked about this and i agree with you like what experience do you have coming out of university and you don't have experience you're good at yeah. books but you're not like like on paper you could do very good consulting yes but you don't have very much real experience like i talked to my dad recently this was really funny and he said that if i didn't know what to do i should do consulting yeah because nobody does consulting because he actually went to rotman in graduated in 1988 and when he did it, nobody wanted to be a consultant. Right. So when I was explaining to him that like 40% of my class wants to be consultants, it blew his mind. Yeah. Right. I don't understand it. Like, yeah, it's like cool and flexible and you get to like help all these different businesses. Yeah. But like, I don't understand how me, I would go into say Procter and Gambler, like a smaller company based out of Toronto. Yeah. How would I help them? Right. Like what experience do I have? Well, yeah, 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 you're right. No, and they have to obviously train you up. And I don't think you'd start out as a consultant, which is the weird part of that. No. The, this is this is sounding a lot like a podcast I did with my friend Owen. But, like, my whole thing with that is that it's not even so much work. So many jobs today are complete. Like, they don't even do anything. And consulting, there are great consultants out there. But I'm just saying that, like, it's it's... There's no production. I feel like I feel like for me, I need to make something. I need to take a bunch of nothing and then create. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not even saying it has to be physical, but yeah. creation. That's what that's what work has been for thousands yeah. of years. People mm -hmm. have built stuff. That's why I respect engineers so much because mm -hmm. they actually. No, I respect engineers too. Well, whether they actually build stuff or they make the instructions to build stuff, whatever it is. I feel like consulting is just empty. Finance, like I feel finance is empty. It's numbers on a screen. You don't actually make anything in the world. Yeah, a lot of like... What is what is meaningful work to you? Like, what does that mean? This is something I've been struggling with. <laughs> you know, dude, right now I don't know what like I want to do with my degree going yeah. forward. I know I want to stay in ramen, but I don't know what meaningful work is for me. For me right now, it's just doing something that you like, you don't hate. That at yeah. the end of the day you can be proud of right right um like i've always i always thought when i was younger that finance is just made up and it's bullshit. right right like it's numbers on a screen this is stupid right and like in some regard like yeah it was like invented like it's not a natural thing like exactly. it's an invention but for better or for worse now it's how things get done yep 
right? There's I agree. We're not building buildings. We're not doing anything. People aren't living the lifestyle they are without finance. Right. So it's an, like it is so ingrained into modern society that even if it's not like a real thing, you're not an engineer, you're not designing a bridge, I think it does contribute quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like it, it really determines our ability to produce and expand. That's fair. That's fair. I, I just, I have a hard time grasping it. It's hard because it is invented. Well, I mean, yeah, do you like, if I could be an engineer, yeah. I would much rather design a car. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. But I don't know. That's just not. That's not what the system is. And I'm not, not where I'm going. Yeah. And I'm not like one of these anti-money, like anti-bank, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm not saying mm-hmm. money is made how money is made. That's just how the game is. And I'm not complaining about that. I just, for a personal decision, I don't think I could dedicate my entire life to, to numbers on a screen and it's all, it's all fake. It's like it's invented. Well, I don't know if it's fake. Like it represents real things, but I, I can kind of, I can understand what you mean. You know what I mean? But you want to do business. So what do you want to do then? Right. So I want to do, for me, it's entrepreneurship. This is why, and another thing I will say, I, not only do I talk a lot of shit about Rotman, I do talk a lot of shit about university in general which is super arrogant considering I am in university. Mm-hmm. It's like people who will talk shit about the country they live in when yeah. they are a member of that country. Yeah. That that annoys me all the time. So I feel like I'm doing the same thing here. So I try to tone it down a little bit on the podcast. Like it's, I just sound like an idiot complaining mm-hmm. about university in university. Um, but <clears throat> I'm in a position right now where I would love to work for myself entrepreneur that's what that is right? i know but like what do you want to do then like you need a product you need something to pedal and sell absolutely so to start once again there's a lot of steps yeah, yeah. to where you want to go like yeah. if i if you think of your dream life you can't no one has a direct route towards their dream life but yeah. they know maybe the next step yeah so for me what the next step is i need to look at what is my most valuable skill right now mm-hmm. and what is a skill that is in high demand in the current marketplace welding Welding? Yeah. Big welding. Yeah, I'm a big welding guy. Do you do you weld? No, I don't weld. I you have welded. But yeah, yeah keep going. That's fair. No, I know I know welders. Welding's great. I don't know how to weld personally. Yeah. So I wouldn't be able to take advantage of that. Um but the only thing that I'm I would really consider myself high skill in or the highest skill in right now is video editing. Mm-hmm. Which is once again, I just spent all this time talking shit about finance. I know video editing is not really a real Mm-hmm. thing either right it's all it's it's pixels on a screen yeah but right now that's the best that's the best i got yeah so the plan is to kind of make money with that to start while i'm in school because mm-hmm. once again i'm also trying to get good grades get the degree mm-hmm. make my parents proud um so for the next two years i'd like to kind of to work with that mm-hmm. video editing and build up what I can, build up whatever experience I can, business knowledge. Mm-hmm. After university, we'll see. The world mm-hmm. is my oyster, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the plan. Good. All right, so we'll move on from that. Okay, we're back. You're, uh, yeah, we're back. North Vancouver boy. Yes, I am. Parents from Sudbury. Sudbury, Ontario, which, by the way, I just want to clarify this. Hated city deserves a lot of the hate. Okay. All right. <laughs> deserves a lot of hate. But like, no, so no, a lot in Vancouver. No, now? no, a lot. I, I read Vancouver. I was not born in Sudbury. But like, the thing with Sudbury is like, people shit on it nonstop, <laughs> and shit on Northern Ontario. Yeah. 
it's not as bad as people think. They like got if the you big coin there, the big nickel. Yes, the sir. Nickel, there used to be yeah. a big penny and a big American fifty cent. Yeah. Um, but like, I would rather live in Sudbury than like Windsor, Ontario. And maybe that's a freezing cold take. Right. But like, what Sudbury has that like the other southern that southern Ontario cities don't have is that everything around Sudbury is beautiful. Nature. Yeah, the nature is beautiful. Yeah. Like the shield and everything, and Killarney Provincial Parks right there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think southern Ontario people don't understand northern ontario that much yeah fair they think northern ontario starts in like north york right yeah right yeah and then people in muskoka thinks it starts at like at barry right but it barely starts at sudbury right like, it's a big place it is yeah. oh it's huge um we we're talking about country as a whole i was i was yesterday mm-hmm. got a gift I officially have completed the university student's dream of having his country's flags pinned up in his room. So I got Canada and Mexico because I'm half Mexican. Okay, nice. Repped up there. Um, how do you feel about... You, you're not in, you were talking about political science earlier. Yes. But I'm not a political science student. Not a political science student. But you got some thoughts. I think Canada is a poorly run country. Um... I think just how our system is structured, like the levels of government isn't very good. Um, like the municipalities versus provincial versus federal. Yeah. They have different needs and different like ability to give money. Yeah. And it doesn't always go where it needs to be. I also think there is a crazy amount of bureaucracy in Canada. Right. Like an insane amount. That, and a lot of it's unnecessary. Completely agree. Um, like I know the CRA, they were on strike recently for better wages and better like benefits and all that stuff to keep up with inflation. Fair enough. But like, it's an organization that's notoriously poorly run, makes everyone else's life harder. Right. What's and the CRA again? Just Canadian so. Revenue Association. There you go. And then they also like, I just, I feel like they don't work as much as they might in like other places. So my dad is from, uh, he's Estonian. And Estonia is a very new country and it's a small country, so it's difficult to compare, but that is a well-run country. There's little bureaucracy in Estonia because it, it's new and there's less tradition yeah. and it has the ability wherever it can to streamline things. So everything on es- in Estonia is on a portal online. You can vote online. You, the government tells you how much money you have to pay in tax, everything you need, the news, it's all from one portal. And if you compare that to Canada, everything's in different places. Nobody knows how to do it unless you email them. When you email them, it takes days, yeah. right? Everything takes a really long time getting passports, get going to, well, doctors are a bit different, but like anything from the government. And then you turn around and all the people working in those departments want more money. <laughs> yeah. And I just think like maybe from a business perspective, like I'm talking about streamlining and like constraints, like making everything more efficient so costs go down so they can get more done. I just feel like we're not doing that because like we like the how work is done over the last 20 years has changed a lot with computers and access to everything and AI now. Yeah. I feel like we haven't like the amount of work being done hasn't kept up with that. And it's I I saw a thing. I wish I remembered it. It was so interesting the way this guy was talking about the natural progression over years and years of the development of a nation or a business or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And bureaucracy is usually where it ends. Like that's the final stage. Yeah. 
when they, when you there's the bureaucrats come in it's usually you realize that the country's on its on its the end of its progression line because that's the, that's the final end so where you're talking about estonia i think the reason which sounds awesome that portal sounds dope shit, you'll have to so, show me that estonia.com or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. um i think that it's not necessarily that estonia is much superior than canada is that once again you said it's young and naturally over time i bet that there was a point where canada wasn't as bad as it is right now mm -hmm. and estonia if history tells us anything will eventually get to that point mm -hmm. hopefully not but i feel like it's it's very natural it's unfortunate that we're in that time period now i bureaucracy has existed in canada it's kind of how government works like forever i just think ours is like super brazen now right and they're not really trying to improve it like canada's throwing money everywhere we're yeah. throwing money at like a variety of things whether you think money deserves to be there or not but we don't have a department to like investigate the departments within canada to make sure everything's running smoothly and money isn't being wasted i think a lot of money is being wasted agree right but then that wouldn't involve the government investigating itself yeah which will never happen right right like i guess this is more like with democracy like the political parties and the politicians in canada are never going to do anything now at least maybe back in in the past they might have they thought about it they were more stalwart with their um can't remember the word right now stalwart with their uh like values yeah but now they're never going to do anything that doesn't benefit them like are you kidding me right. you talk about like this is a bit different but like we're talking about like housing housing price in canada are crazy um the uh the minister for affordable housing what's it? i think it's minister for affordable housing the one that just got kicked out was a house flipper yeah like he owned like six or seven rental properties so he is never going to do anything to bring prices down right yeah right and yeah. you can find that throughout all like canadian politicians this is why this is like again maybe a bit of a transfer but like i don't think housing prices are going down if they do i'm happy yeah but like if a bubble pops sure but the government has been doing everything they can to stop that from happening i believe that to stop them from going down yeah oh yeah interesting like, why what makes you think that well, it's not in the best interest of the individuals who run the government, like the, the politicians, the MPs. Yep. Yep. And Glenn and I have talked about this a lot. Yep. We've argued about this a lot. But like the MPs make quite a bit of money and a lot of it is comped for being like MP, like flights back and forth and whatever yep. and food. So actually just off that, like the MP salary for food is like 150 bucks a day from taxpayer money. This is what I'm talking about, like government's money's being wasted in all, all spots. It's a yeah. lot yeah. Um, for all 300 and something MPs. Yeah. So, but like when it talks about like, they're not allowed to own stocks as much in Canada. In the US they are, that's where you look at Nancy Pelosi and like a lot of American senators make absurd amount of money because they buy stocks and then they legislate based on it. They're not allowed to do that in Canada. They are allowed to own real estate. So it is their only investment. Interesting. And I don't think that's the entire reason they're not bringing prices down. I think probably a bigger reason, maybe 60% of it, is that Canada has become addicted to housing prices and leasing and all that stuff. It's the largest driver of our economy by share of GDP growth yeah. is housing. If that bubble bursts, which like I know earlier I was saying like, oh yeah, burst, that's going to be so bad. Yeah. So many people are going to lose their jobs. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about the big short earlier, but there is some like saying in the U.S. like if unemployment goes up one percent, uh, like fifty thousand people die. So yeah, so yeah, 
That's a, that's a super interesting. Was it fifty thousand? It was something like that. Something, it was something wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every percent, like there's a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. So the bubble bursts. Housing gets more affordable. People lose their jobs. I worked in the landscaping industry. That collapses because people aren't <coughs> going to pay for landscaping anymore. Yeah. They lose their jobs. They go on unemployment. Government hemorrhages money. People go on unemployment and they die. Yeah. Everybody loses their jobs. We have to recover. Whatever. But then maybe in five, ten years from now, we might be able to afford a house. It's like a balance. This is like. It's been so unrestrained. I don't think that like a massive correction is good. I wish like in the past in 2015 when Trudeau got into power and he said housing is a priority of mine, he wasn't like lying about it. Like he actually yeah. did something. Right. Because 2015 prices were crazy. We're crazy now. Like people don't actually understand how crazy it is now. You know, Calgary, Ontario, or sorry, Calgary, Alberta. Yep. Always people talk about it being like a big place where you should move if you don't want to go to Vancouver or Toronto. Yeah. The rental for a place in Calgary is as expensive now as Vancouver was pre-COVID. And pre-COVID, Vancouver was like the second most expensive in the world. Jeez. So there's flaws with Canada. And we were talking about yeah. this off camera, like with housing. I don't know if I want to live here because I, I want to own a house at some point. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be possible. So where's your landing spot? I always look at the U.S. Yeah. Very flawed country. Very messed up. Don't think it's a full democracy. Think they have huge political problems. Absolutely. And maybe this is my Robin mindset coming in. If you live in the U.S., like Seattle, for example, Seattle, Vancouver, very similar cities. Yeah. You get paid 30% more in Seattle, like in dollar value. Your currency is worth 30% more. Everything costs 30% less. Is that true? In my Field? In your yes. field. Yeah. In your field. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about my field. We were looking at the, because they just boosted the minimum wage in Ontario. Yeah. Which is, even when you do the conversion rate, it's still way higher than most of the states in the US. Yeah. Which, once again, is minimum wage really what you want to base how much you're going to earn off, right? No. Not for you. But also, like, purchasing power in the in US dollars based yeah. on what they can buy in their local communities is better than it is here. Yeah. So, maybe I should have been, I should have phrased that better. Like, for me how in the like where i'm going to work in for most of business yeah you get paid more in the us the dollar's worth more there's more opportunities everything is cheaper right. purchasing power is better and then as well as that people always talk about healthcare and the healthcare system in the us is crazy right but for that top one third that it benefits like that it works well for it is the best healthcare system in the world bar none it's top one third well maybe one quarter i don't like it's Whatever. more people than you would expect because a lot of people get yeah. it from jobs yeah. That top one third, one quarter that it works well for, that bottom half, it's awful. Right. But that top part, it's amazing. Interesting. So let's like how much do you know about healthcare? Like, do you talk about that a lot? Like, do you have can you can you give me like a coherent opinion? I don't want to just ask you about healthcare if that's not something you think about too often. Uh shoot. I I'd, maybe. I'd just be interested to hear like okay, what sure. you think comparing Canada to the US. We have Yeah, sure. So what yeah, what are your thoughts? I was, I was going to just come out and say, we have a better healthcare system here. And I think we do because it's more fair. Yeah. Outright. I, I, again, I do not like the American system. It's right. bad. It's not good. But Canada has the unique disadvantage of being positioned next to the U.S. And if you become a doctor in Canada, it's much easier to do that because they've removed a lot of barriers. And it's always been this way because we don't have enough doctors. Yeah. My cousins did this that I'm about to talk about, but you can become a doctor in Canada. It's subsidized. It's cheaper. And you can become it in like seven years instead of the nine it takes in the U S 
And once you finish it, and it's been subsidized by the government, you can move to the U.S. and make salaries like you had done your entire residency there. Yeah. So there was some statistic, like the UBC class of 2022 um, doctors, of the 150 graduates, two were staying in BC to be family doctors. Yikes. So I think our healthcare system benefits all people. It's, it basically brings everybody down to the same level. And the U.S., it's like staggered based on how much money you have. Yeah. But ours, it's like averaged out. I think we need more doctors. Yeah. I think the federal government needs to like loosen the restrictions on people coming from other countries here and then trying to be doctors and they can't. Yeah. Right? If you're a doctor in Iran, the body doesn't change. Yeah. Pay for a course for that guy to the guy or girl to do, and then they'd be a doctor here. I think that would solve a lot of our problems, but that's difficult yeah. to do. Um I think our healthcare system now is bad. Yeah. And it's these types of issues, I, when I was in high school, I talked about politics a lot. I've kind of dimmed down on, on these things because I've started to notice how much of a tangled web it is. Yeah. And a lot of these issues are interesting to talk about in isolation, but mm -hmm. they're all interconnected. Like you yeah. can't talk about housing without talking about healthcare, without talking about this and mm -hmm. that and leadership and yeah. voting and everything. It's all, it's all connected. So yeah. it's once again, it's easy. It's not easy, actually, to make the comparison of Canada to the U.S., but it's even way harder when you have to look at all these other variables that play into it. Mm -hmm. Like, once again, getting doctors in from Iran to, to mm -hmm. work in Canada, that sounds great, but then there's a whole bunch of other issues you have to look at. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah. But at the same time, not being macro, like just looking at healthcare. Earlier this year, a child died in Surrey in Vancouver yep. and they were able to attribute that strictly due to the fact there was not a hospital bed for her. It was a preventable death. That's how they attributed it. Yikes. So we can talk about all the different parts of Canada and how they all affect um, the healthcare system. Yeah. But our system is, there needs to be work done quickly because we're five, six years behind where we should have started going. My sister's a nurse. Yeah. The nursing school she does in UBC, even though we're short on nurses, we have like, um, like we're like negative 5,000 or whatever. I, I just made that up, but like pretty big number in BC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acceptance rate of her nursing school is still like 6%. They're not subsidizing to open more positions. Yeah. Right. In doctors, we subsidize doctors, like doctors to get like one or two more family doctors. We throw a million dollars at it. Right. We're doing something says like the provincial government, but like that's two doctors. We're short hundreds. Yeah. Right. Part of the problem is that when we accept doctors in Canada, we accept many of them internationally and many of them to be Canadian. Uh, they compete against each other, but there's no incentive for the doctors who come from international places to stay here. Right. And then the, the program, the medical program is subsidized by the government. So the international students are still paying absurd amounts of money yeah. to do it. The government's paying also into that pool. And then once they get their degree, their Canadian medical license, they leave. Like, you know, like Saudi Arabia, I mean, 90% of the doctors are educated in Canada. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So we just don't have a good medical system. And like, 
this is super selfish of me to say, but part of me would be wants to go to the U.S. like if I graduate and get a job there, yeah. because the insurance I would get from be, being in the U.S. would get me better healthcare than anywhere in Canada. Where does all your political knowledge come from? I'm surprised you're not a political science because you know a lot about this. Um, my family talks about it. Yeah. Like my mom's a lawyer and my dad worked in um, like hydro. But I want to say like, we just talk about this stuff all the time, like what's going on in the news. And for a lot of us, mine is my sister. It's politics. What's interesting, what's going on. Yeah. Right? Like when Yaroslav Hunka went to the House of Commons, which the Ukrainian guy. Yeah. I called my dad and was like, can you believe this? Um, we just talk about politics. Yeah. Like I'm not a, I don't, that's not what I want to do. I would die. Because yeah. you have to be so soulless to like make a career in politics. Right. It's all a popularity contest. It's all about saying what people want to hear. Sorry, Gwen. Uh, sorry, like, Glenn and I argue about this a lot, but it's like, I believe that politicians want to do the right thing. Yeah. But I believe they want to do the right thing within their party and whatever their party believes is the right thing. Like, I'll be talking to Glenn and he'll just be like, you have to vote liberal because all the other parties are anti-abortion. That isn't true. Right. Um, like, I don't know. It's, I think that, I don't know. What was he going to say? Hard, it's hard to like, like, I would not want to do that, be a politician at all. I think that, yeah, sorry, I remember what I was going to say. With politics, you can't, the only way to get your ideas, the only way to create winning ideas is to step over that line that your, your enemy's not willing to go. And so whether it's, if it's the liberals and conservatives, each of them need to take a step beyond what is what is rational and morally right and even if you just take that one inch step you're still ahead of the other guys so now they need to take a two inch step and you guys need to keep inching and inching further away from from anything that's morally correct mm -hmm. which is where i think you get why people say that politicians are soulless because they become so tunnel visioned and and getting their ideas that at the core probably had really good intentions yeah. But you have to take it to such an extreme to actually implement them. I think ultimately political parties like doesn't benefit like Canadians. And I think I think what's, it's what's the alternative? Good. Then? No, no, it's good to have political parties. This yeah. is more like a theory. Got good it. to have political parties. There's no. I don't think there's a good way to do it without it. Because if you don't, you end up with like Italy, where there's like sixty different blocks and their governments right. last a year. Yeah. But what the politicians may want, like individually and what the canadians may want individually are much more diverse than the three parties we have mm -hmm. right so you have to just find whichever one fits the most of your values and then just toughen up and be okay with everything bad they do fair you know because like i think like i think the liberal party is really bad at like running a government but the conservative party is ridiculous like is outright like stupid i won't vote for them and I think the NDP also has some like really good parts of them, but some like really bad policies. So you just have to find the one that like aligns most with your values, but you'll never be fully satisfied. And that's, I guess, what happens with political parties. Right. Right. But then you just have to like tolerate some of the bad things they do. It's interesting. So what is your main concerns if you were to eventually move to the U.S.? Yeah, you're talking about tolerating things. Safety. There's a lot of great parts about America. Yeah. What, what are some of the concerns you might have safety. If you had the, the safety. crime rate in the u.s is higher almost everywhere than it is here yeah toronto is a very safe city and i feel uncomfortable in some areas but american cities 
mostly are more dangerous. There's just a lot more violent crime, theft, all that stuff. I don't like the freeway system. Like there's highways right through Portland, which is ridiculous. That's yeah. just like not a genuine concern. It's just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, the biggest one would be safety. And I am worried about their political climate for sure. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, like if the job opportunity is better to move to the U S and like have a good standard of living versus staying in here and just watching the Canadian system fight itself to yeah. the point where we get like the U S I don't know. Cause I think we could be heading in that direction. Maybe, you know, maybe what about like the fact that the U S is also such a bigger target on the global scale. Like if we were heading towards a WW three, Canada. Doesn't I don't matter. Think, if there's a WW three, doesn't matter where you are. You're dead. You don't think people are upset. You don't think people are going to leave Canada alone. They're no. kind of, they're kind of soft. We're, we're in NATO. No one really cares about Canada. Well, we're just, I guess with geopolitics, we're in NATO. Yeah. So we talk about Estonia. If Russia invades Estonia, which by the way, Russia and Ukraine, Russia doesn't acknowledge the Baltic States, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania as independent. So if Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania weren't in NATO, they would have been conquered a lot earlier than Ukraine. Is Ukraine not in NATO? No. Oh, okay. So Estonia's in NATO. <clears throat> so if any country in NATO gets invaded, right, any yeah. of them, we're at war with who invaded them. Yeah. And if that country is backed by Russia or China, we're all we're all dead. Like it doesn't matter. We're yeah. all dead. <laughs> Got it. Like the the amount of like there are enough weapons in this world to kill every living thing. Hundred percent. And I, I want to say for worse here, there's no for better here thing. The weapons that China, the U.S., and less Russia have, because they're pretty inept, as we're seeing in Ukraine, are just insane. Yeah. Like the F-22 fighter that the U.S. has, billions of dollars going into building this plane. They've never used it. Yeah. It might be the F-30. I don't know which. It's the newest one. They've never used it. It's a stealth fighter. It can carry a nuclear warhead. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So if we go to war with China or the U.S. goes to war with China, everybody's dead. So it doesn't matter if the U.S. is a bigger target. Like, unless you're talking about, like, terrorism, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they're also more serious with terrorism. Like, they, right. they have a lot of protections. Like, I don't know if you've flown much through the U.S. Have you, well, like, flown through, like, a lot of American airports? Not really. I find their security more thorough. Oh, it is. Yeah. So. Has to be. It has to be. Yeah. And when I was younger, I always get scared because we were going through the airport in Seattle, I think this was. And there's just this pillar in the middle of the airport. And on it is a photo of the second plane hitting the tower. And it just says, like, don't don't forget, do your job. Yeah. Towards, like, the border security people. Which Jeez. scared me as a kid, but they yeah. take it super seriously there. Damn. So I think just safety overall would be my biggest concern in the U.S. Wow. That's yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting place. It does like my cousins are American, okay. so like maybe I'm a bit biased there, but like I don't know. It's also flawed for me to say like I'll acknowledge this. Like the U.S. has done some crazy things yeah. in the past. Like it's not a good country, right? And <laughs> I we were also talking about this off camera about moving outside of Canada. I've considered leaving Canada once I'm done university, um, depending on the future of the. The leadership, once again, I'm not going to go too deep into any sort of politics, but I feel like Canada is becoming more and more censored, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, Trudeau just passed some sort of 
law to regulate podcasts. Yeah. He's after VOV. It's not. <laughs> he knew I was coming. Don't know what we did. We made a whole episode. Trudeau was in the thumbnail yeah. on Glenn's thing. Yeah, yeah, he knew you were coming. That's yeah. probably what it was. Um, but I, I don't think I'd want to move to the U.S. We were talking about you would want to go. If it wasn't the U.S., you'd still want to consider an English-speaking country. So, yeah, we talked about this. And for, I me, would, like for me, that's not really a priority. I think that I could go somewhere and still work. We were talking about working online, working on the Yeah. Internet. I don't know if I want to do remote work. I'm not a very efficient remote worker. Got it. I don't know because it's like we did all the remote work over COVID. Yeah. And now it's already leaving again. I don't know if remote work is like the long-term destination. Got it. So you can move anywhere in the world and then do remote work, but... For a lot of jobs, eventually you're going to have to be in the office. You're going to have to fly, and there's costs associated with that. So I'd much rather be in a place um, where I work in the city and then be able to work from home sometimes. I think that's a much better alternative. Got it. I think being face-to-face with people, like, in an office can really help with, like, conversations and discussions more so than a Zoom meeting. I agree with so, that. Well, it's been a very great episode. Thank you. It's fun. We talked a lot. Talked a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts? people at home uh, work hard stay in school that's what I want to say respect yeah. thank you very much alright appreciate it till next time till next time now if you want again I'll be your first year. time guest yeah if, you, if you're interested okay. thank you for watching peace out